Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. You've made it to Friday. You have made it to Friday. God is very good. I pray you're going to have a great weekend this weekend. You know, uh, we are looking at uh, potential snowstorms in Houston, Texas this weekend, just to give you an idea of things. It's kind of a big deal. In fact, there was a major, major pileup in North Texas yesterday. As many as six. I've heard some reports say eight. This morning I looked at the local news up there. It said six. Six people uh, lost their lives. And the video is is really heart-wrenching. It's, it's almost disturbing. I don't recommend you go look at it, really. Um, but uh, it was a horrific pile up there on the highway, the icy highways of North Texas yesterday. So uh, it could be a very serious situation over the weekend. We'll have to see. It could even affect our show on Monday. We uh, There's a good chance we won't be in the studio on Monday. We do plan to have a show for you live, but we'll have to do it remotely, which means it might not be the same as usual. Uh, right, uh, Adrian Fonseca? Absolutely. Good, good so we you, are going to be <laughs> – we were working uh, a long time yesterday trying to figure out what's the uh, best way to do this remotely, and I think we figured out a couple ways. So we're going to be working on that after the show today. So whether or not – uh, hell fire comes falling from the sky <laughs> like it's ice or, snow, but okay. or ice comes from the ground. I have no idea what, what happens. <laughs> Whatever happens, we will be ready to, uh, bring you the latest in, uh, breaking news and keep you inspired. So did you God. say ice comes from the ground? What was <laughs> I was, I was thinking of, of Dante's Inferno where the uh, lowest part of hell is actually ice. That's what I was, okay, that's of what course I was thinking. You were. <laughs> all right. Well, good morning to you, Emily. Alcaraz. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's good news Friday, right? We have all good news in the headlines today i uh, know what but we we do have a couple good things that okay. i snuck in there all so. right well praise god for that we'll have uh, of course breaking news and stories here in one moment saint of the day gospel of the day we'll have the what's concerning us in fact uh my friend attorney and political analyst brent haynes is back on the program today to catch us up on some of these supreme court uh uh Cases that are being heard right now that affect religious liberty. We'll talk about that in the What's Concerning Us. We may even touch on the impeachment trial. Uh, and if uh, we have more time, there's a lot of news. Cancellation is on the rise. We may talk about that, at least in the after show, if nothing else. And then, of course, in our guest segment today, uh, Norbertine Father, Fa- uh, Father Sebastian Walsh will be on the program to talk about how to keep your kids Catholic. That may be a thing, right? How to keep your kids Catholic, how to bring back the lost family members. Father Sebastian Walsh will be on our show today to discuss that. Let's begin with prayer. Praying for your intentions, obviously praying for the repose of the souls of those lost in that pileup yesterday in North Texas. God rest their souls, and please, Lord, give them grace to their families, too. Uh, Praying for all of our intentions here, my own family, and that we're asking Our Lady to intercede on our behalf to our uh, to her son our lord and savior jesus christ in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember o most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful 
O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. At least nine people have died now in car crashes as of Thursday evening due to winter storms across the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. A 133-car pileup in Fort Worth on Thursday left at at least six people dead. The pileup was reported around 6 a.m. Central Time and spanned roughly a mile and a half. 65 people were hospitalized as a result. The incident was one of several reported in Dallas-Fort Worth in Austin areas during dicey weather conditions on Thursday that included freezing rain and accumulating ice. Over 300 accidents have been reported in the area overnight. The state of Alabama has canceled the first scheduled execution of the year. The lethal injection of Willie B. Smith III was called off by Alabama after justices maintained an injunction issued by the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals saying he could not be executed without his pastor present in the chamber. Department of Corrections spokeswoman Samantha Rose said the execution would not proceed given the ruling. Alabama has maintained that non-prison staff should not be in the room for security reasons. Smith had been scheduled to receive a lethal injection at a South Alabama prison for the 1991 murder of 22-year-old Sharma Ruth Johnson in Birmingham. The religious freedom law firm Beckett filed an amicus brief in the case supporting Smith's request for Pastor Wiley to be present at his execution. Governor Andrew Cuomo's top aide has admitted that her team withheld the number of deaths related to COVID-19 in New York's nursing homes to shield Cuomo government from federal investigation and political scrutiny. The New York Post reported on Thursday that Melissa DeRosa, New York's secretary to the governor, apologized to Democrat state legislators for the political damage caused by the Cuomo government's suppression of information related to nursing home COVID-19 deaths. The Associated Press speculated that Cuomo's government's underreporting of deaths linked to COVID-19 in nursing homes may have dealt a potential blow to his image as a pandemic hero. Catholic students in Michigan attended Mass in an ice chapel that they built themselves. Over the past six years, students at Michigan Technological University and the local community have come together to build Our Lady of the Snows, a temporary ice chapel constructed for the town's winter carnival. This year, however, the chapel seems needed more than ever as it has allowed the faithful to gather and attend Mass in compliance with COVID restrictions. The Masses were live-streamed also for those who couldn't handle the frigid temperatures. But for those who braved the freezing weather, the parish did offer hot cocoa after the liturgy. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed George Haydock, pray for us. Born in 1557 in Cottam Hall in Lancashire, England, he was the youngest son of Evan and Helen Haydock, educated at the English College in Douai, France, and the English College in Rome, Italy. He was ordained on the 21st of December, 1581 at Reims in France, and then he returned to England to minister to the uh, Catholic community there, which was being persecuted by Queen Elizabeth I. He would be arrested and uh, serve 15 years in the Tower of London for the crime of being a Catholic priest. Now, at at some point along the way, they did allow him to provide sacraments to the fellow prisoners, which is 
in, crazy to me. I've read many of these stories, and this is the first time I've heard of that. He was a zealous supporter of the Pope and not of secular authorities as ruler of the church there in England. And then on the 12th of February, 1584, as he stood on the gallows there at uh, Tyburn in England, he said this, I pray God that my blood may increase the Catholic faith in England. They hung him, they drawn and quartered his body, which means they attached ropes to all four of his appendages and with horses pulled him apart. It is a gruesome way to be martyred for the faith, and blessed George Haydock did so joyfully. Blessed George Haydock, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, notice Jesus is still preaching in the Gentile territory of Israel. So he's the Decapolis. Uh, he was leaving Tyre. We, this has been a common theme the last, uh, I don't know, several several mornings here speaking on Mark's gospel. Jesus is preaching to non, non-Jewish people. He's speaking, speaking to the Gentiles. He's laying the foundation for what his church must do to go to the four corners of the earth and to preach and to make disciples of all peoples, to bring all lost family members back into the fold of God. Now, I, I like the fact that we see Jesus doing something very intentional with this particular uh, deaf man. Now, he's God. He can do anything he wants, any way he wants. He doesn't need to touch. He doesn't need to spit. He doesn't need to do any of that. He is God. He is the author of all created things, all the atoms that make up our bodies, everything. He could simply will it, and it would be fine. But instead, he goes to the effort to touch, to heal, to, uh, to put his finger into the man's ears, to groan while looking up to heaven. I find this very fascinating. I find it incredible that the extent to which Jesus intends to encounter us in our, our weakness, in our, in our brokenness, and even in our infirmities, and to bring us this healing, this grace, this grace poured out directly from God the Son. It's a powerful realization and a forerunner, a little taste of what's to come through the Holy Sacraments, I believe. Now, notice also that over the last several chapters, We've seen these signs performed here in Mark's gospel. In fact, this is the third of these such signs. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 44, he healed the leper. In chapter 5, verse 43, he raised the dead. In here, this gospel, chapter 7, he's healing a deaf man. Guess what comes next? A blind man will receive their sight. This should remind you of what John the Baptist sent his disciples to look for signs to know whether or not Jesus was the Messiah, or should they look for another? 
What did, what did Jesus say? Would the lepers be healed, the dead raised, the deaf receive their sight, the blind are going to receive their vision? Yes, these are the signs. And uh, it's a very fascinating thing. But notice also when Jesus says, don't tell anybody, and they still tell everybody, why would Jesus not want them to tell people? Well, some of the commentaries that I read suggested it's because if they only gave themselves over to the uh, to the signs that are being committed, these miracles that are being had, maybe they wouldn't have the courage to embrace the cross. Maybe they wouldn't have the courage, as St. Paul would say in Colossians 1.24, to fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, to join Christ on the cross, as Jesus would tell his disciples later in the gospel, if you would be my disciple, you will take up your cross and follow me. You can't get to Easter Sunday glory unless you're willing to go through Good Friday Passion first. And our opportunity starts next Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. Emily, Adrian? Yes. So one thing that I think is interesting to focus on is uh, what you said at the very end about why did they go out and uh, and preach about our Lord's miracles after our Lord just told him, don't do this. Uh, Alapide says it's interesting to note that this uh, that they do not sin in doing this. And this is important because if it's not a sin for them to go out and preach after our Lord uh, asked them not to, and that's another important point. He said that he uh, did not, it was not a command properly understood, but it was a plea. And he said, by this, by the action of our Lord pleading with them to not tell people, and then the uh, people going out, the person who was healed, going out and doing it anyways, we are taught two things by this. One, we are taught that when we confer benefits on others, we should not seek for applause um, but when we do receive benefits from others, we should praise our benefactors, even if they are unwilling to be praised. And so St. Augustine says, quote, by his prohibition, the Lord wished to teach us how very fervently they ought to preach to whom he has given a command to preach. And that is why we have his mouth is opened up because he was a deaf and, and he was uh, and he was dumb, meaning he was mute. He could not speak. And so by opening his mouth, he's able to preach the word of God. And by hearing, uh, opening up his ears, he's able to hear the word of God. And this is the most important thing. So I thought that was a very important point uh, to bring up and to focus on. Blessed George Haydock, before we go to our break here in just a moment, you know, I was reminded by reading the story about Blessed George Haydock of Evelyn Waugh's uh, recounting of Edmund Campion, one of my favorite uh, recountings of uh, the, the English martyrs. And when Edmund was being hung, drawn, and quartered, his blood spattered on the, cl- on the crowd. One man whom that blood hit went off and became a priest. And he came back, and 10 years later, he too was hung, drawn, and quartered on the very same spot. And he attributed his, his zeal for souls to the martyrdom of Edmund Campion. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We'll be right back for the What's Concerning Us. More to come, Catholic Drive Time. Send it your way. So, it's Ash Wednesday. You just got sloshed with ashes. And you have to go to the grocery store. Worried everyone is going to be staring and thinking, I wonder if that guy knows he has dirt on his forehead. If so, fear no more. Here's a few ways to respond to the befuddled looks. You can start by laughing with them. Weird, huh? And then you can explain, today begins a special season for Christians when we focus on the fact that we're going to die, hence the ashes, and that we need to turn away from sin and get right with God. You then might share how in ancient times, ashes were used to express sorrow for sin. The visible sign represents our interior conversion. 
So with a few responses like these in your quiver, there's no need for awkwardness. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Praise God. I am, I'm really excited. Every time I look at the numbers of people signing up to our Catholic Drive Time email list, I get really excited. It's been growing, and praise God for it. So what's going to happen is, of course, Ash Wednesday is this week and this coming week, and so we're going to be launching into the Lenten season uh, but we wanted to do something a little bit special uh, for the Lenten season. So we're going to be doing some uh, review of the Sunday Gospels according to the commentaries that we like to use here on the program. Uh, it's one of our favorite things to do. We may also look at some of the saints of, of uh, that are important during the Lenten season. But I'm also looking at doing a little reflection on Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence by St. Columbert. Uh, it's published by Tan. It's a little reflection. It's Someone handed this to me, I don't know, 15 more years, almost 20 years ago, and challenged me to read it during the season of Lent. And it's a, it's, it's a gut check in many ways. Uh, it, it challenges you to release control of the things that go on around you and trust God for everything. Uh, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It is for, for saints. And uh, we all want and desire to be that. So I think it's going to be good. So if you want to get in on that, uh, join the, the Catholic Drive Time email list and you'll get the news. We'll send out an email next week with the information. But the way to do that is pull out your phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. Just text GRN to the number 42828. You can also just go to our website and sign up there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT grnonline.com forward slash cdt you can do that there as well don't forget coming up in i don't know 16 minutes or so father sebastian walsh from the norbertines is going to be on to talk about how to keep your kids catholic uh, that's a very important question that comes up all the time on catholic radio how to keep your kids catholic will be our conversation later in the hour with father walsh joining us right now by phone is my friend brent haynes political analyst and attorney good morning to you brent Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back on the program. Um, there was a lot of cases before the Supreme Court recently that dealt with religious liberty issues, uh, Second Amendment issues. And, uh, and I don't know that we're going to be commenting on this one, but I, I'll mention it just in passing. But apparently uh, Google fa and Facebook have filed a, uh, a case. They want to take it to the Supreme Court to ask so the, the, the Supreme Court to make it harder for people to sue them. Google and Facebook feel like they're, it's too easy to sue them. So I just thought I'd mention that in passing because that's a fun little headline. But uh, Brent Haynes, can you catch us up on the religious liberty cases? Sure, Joe. Uh, what has happened is uh, can be summed up in the phrase, uh, what a difference one justice makes. Um, our listeners will recall that, of course, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg 
died last year. And for a while, there were only eight justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. And along general lines, it could be described as, you know, five conservatives or mostly conservatives and three usually reliably liberal justices. Um, what happened during the COVID pandemic restrictions was cases started to come up to the Supreme Court um, challenging COVID restrictions that had been put into place in various areas, uh, restricting the ability of people to go to church or to go to mass, uh, of uh, churches to hold their services, of Catholic churches to conduct mass. And during the summer, a case came up from Nevada, that was one of the cases, Calvary Chapel versus Sisolak, that came up from Nevada. And the conservatives did not vote, at least all of them didn't vote the way, you know, common uh, commentators might think so. Chief Justice Roberts actually sided with the liberals, and he voted against uh, allowing the churches to reopen, essentially. That was a four-to-four decision. And what happens when the court splits is um, it's the tie essentially goes to whoever won in the court below. And the government of Nevada had won in the court below. And so you had a situation where, as one of the conservative justices said, casinos in Nevada are open, but not churches. And the Constitution doesn't say anything about people having the right to, you know, to play roulette or to gamble. In the fall, of course, we got Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And that put us back at nine justices. And another case came up from the Diocese of Brooklyn, the Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, and a Jewish congregation and some related Jewish congregations. Another case came up. The court considered those cases. And on the night before Thanksgiving, the court issued a decision in uh, Diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo, that's the governor of New York, where the court essentially struck down, uh, for temporary purposes at least in that case, the restrictions that Governor Cuomo had placed in New York. Then, just uh, a few days ago, the case came up from California where the court, and again, the procedure in these cases is different. The court, again, uh, at least temporarily, struck down many of the restrictions in California. And that is because we have a new justice on the court. Because Justice Roberts will sometimes vote to strike down these restrictions, but will often defer to the government. We're talking with uh, Brent Haynes, attorney and political analyst, talking about the Supreme Court cases that uh, regards political or rather religious uh, liberties. And this was kind of a big shock to uh, to be able to uh, point to this last week to say, uh, finally, some relief for uh, the churches in California. Archbishop Corleone in San Francisco has been struggling mightily with this issue up there, looking for relief, trying to follow the rules, but at the same time looking for relief and not really getting any. And, of course, uh, we heard, we reported... I don't know, weeks, a couple months ago now, that it was okay for strip clubs in San Diego to be available and open for business, but not churches. How do you feel, Brentains, about the ruling itself? Uh, they're allowed to they're allowed to limit capacity. Uh, I think uh, I think it, ha- it the the least amount is twenty five percent, 
and they kept the ban on singing there. How do you feel about those issues? Well, you've hit on the uh, one live issue that uh, really came out in the opinions of the, of the court. Um, and the court essentially said, and, and Amy Coney Barrett said this also, the record is not clear as to whether the ban applies to everybody in California or only to churches. That makes a big difference legally, because if it applies only to churches, the Supreme Court will examine it much more closely. In legal terms, they would probably give that review what is called strict scrutiny. Um, if it's just a general ban on all singing, then the court might still uphold it because of the 1990 case, Employment Division versus Smith, where the court really dealt a blow to uh, freedom of religion when the court said the laws that are general in nature and are neutral, in other words, laws that apply to everybody, can be applied against religious people and religious groups, even if it infringes on their rights, as long as the government isn't targeting religion. That's what the issue on singing comes down to. Now, they, there is an argument, you know, for having regulations in place regarding singing. You know, the argument is when you have a lot of people in a confined area and they're singing, they are exhaling and exhaling, you know, the uh, germs that could, could spread COVID uh, for an extended time in a small space uh, um, could, be an, you know, could be an issue with the pandemic. You gave an interesting, uh, you know, example with, uh, you know, strip clubs. Uh, you know, don't have a lot of experience there, but one might <laughs> infer God. that people who go there stay there for a while. Not a lot of social um, distancing, I'm sure. Probably not, you know, probably, not nearly enough, even without COVID. But um, these cases are in a different procedural posture, as lawyers would say, than regular cases that go to the Supreme Court. These were cases for injunctions, where people have a regular case in the system, and they lose, but they appeal, essentially, in the, in the they ask for an, an order, Against, against the government in, in New York, it was against Cuomo. In California, it's against the governor. It's governors in both cases, essentially. And the uh, courts that hear these cases have to decide whether or not to issue an order that is temporary while they are getting ready to have a trial for the entire case, or if the entire case is over while it's on appeal. That's important because that's why the Supreme Court doesn't have a full record as lawyers say. That's mm. why they weren't really sure about the facts of how extensive the singing ban is. But the real essential point, which you mentioned, is now if churches in California can open on a capacity basis, which is what many of us around the country are familiar with, restaurants opening at 25% or restaurants opening at 50%, you know, that kind of restriction. Um, so at least the churches are able to operate more reasonably that way. I was disappointed... To, not to belabor this point much further because we're running out of time here, but uh, I was disappointed that more bishops in California weren't actually taking the uh, state to task over this. I mean, other than Bar Archbishop Corleone, you just didn't hear a lot from other prelates in the state, nor of Catholic priests. I think there was one SSPX priest who sued the state and did get some relief uh, as well. Um, but the rest were all non-Catholic uh, churches that were... Uh, that we're trying to sue the state for for relief in this. So I would love to see the Catholics actually speak up, do more, 
and stand their ground for religious liberty and religious freedom there. Uh, I need to transition because we only have a few minutes left with uh, attorney and political analyst Brent Haynes. Uh, there was some uh, gun control legislation being proposed. There's actually a case before the Supreme Court that could possibly make it easier for law enforcement officers to search and seize firearms in your home without a warrant. Um, any comments there, Brent Haynes? Well, yes, first, um, it was only very recently in constitutional terms, 2008, when the U.S. Supreme Court, in a case from Washington, D.C., called Heller, um, ruled that the Second Amendment is an individual right, and it gives people the right to have firearms, at least in their home. And what happened was D.C. had said, basically, you could have firearms, but if you did, you had to have trigger lock on them, and they had to be disassembled, or you had to have a trigger lock where they or or they had to be disassembled. And obviously, disassembled firearm at home is useless for defense purposes. Washington, D.C., of course, is not a state, at least not yet, Joe. And that's federal territory. So in 2010, in a case from Illinois involving the city of Chicago, which has very restrictive gun regulations, or had and still does to a certain extent, um, the Supreme Court said that Second Amendment right that individuals have to keep and bear arms, at least in the home, applies to the states. That's called incorporation. And that's where the Supreme Court says the Bill of Rights, which if you read it by its terms, it only applies to the U.S. government, the federal government. Incorporation is where the Supreme Court says these rights also apply to the states. And they do that because they say under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, these states have been, these rights have been incorporated into the laws of the individual states. Almost out of well, time. Well, what it comes down to now, Joe, uh, in general, with the gun control legislation that you're talking about, and there's a lot out there, it comes down to whether or not it is a reasonable regulation. And what people concerned about gun rights should remember is, even with a court that looks friendlier on individual rights now, religious liberty or otherwise, what's a reasonable regulation is often in the eye of the beholder. We'll have to leave it there. Attorney Brent Haynes, thanks for your time. Don't go anywhere. Count and drive. Don't be back. Father Sebastian Walsh is coming. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, What's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, Right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences, and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines. An actress from the popular Star Wars series has been fired over her social media posts. Disney terminated its association with The Mandalorian co-star Gina Carano following online activist uproar over an Instagram post in which the former MMA fighter and outspoken conservative compared modern-day political animosity to the anti-Jewish sentiment cultivated by Nazi Germany prior to the Holocaust. In the post, which she has since deleted, Carano wrote, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? End quote. Sources say Lucasfilm had been looking for a reason to fire Carano for months and that this was the final straw. A bill requiring students to use bathrooms according to their biological sex is making its way through Iowa legislator. The legislation passed two to one in a subcommittee and will be sent to the full Senate Education Committee. The bill came after the Biden administration reverted to an Obama administration rule that required schools to allow men living as women to use the women's bathroom and changing rooms in order to be compliant with Title IX. The bill sponsor, State Senator Jim Carlin, said, quote, It's important to note that the concern is not so much that transgender individuals l- are likely to be sexual predators, but that sexual predators could exploit such laws by posing as transgender in order to gain access to women and girls. Rioters in Portland attempted to break down the door to a police association in broad daylight this week. Protesters were playing loud music from a speaker to disrupt a meeting inside the building and tried to bar the door from the outside. The Portland Police Association has been targeted by anti-police rioters for months now. In July, rioters attacked the association, broke the windows, vandalized the building, and started a small fire inside. Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters have caused millions of dollars in damage in Portland over the past year. And a Catholic missionary priest has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Father Pedro Opica is a Vincentian priest from Argentina who has worked with the poor in Madagascar for more than three decades. He founded the Akamasoa Humanitarian Association in 1989 as a solidarity movement to help the poorest of the poor living on the site of a garbage dump. The Akamasoa Association, meaning good friend, has provided former homeless people and families with 4,000 brick homes and has helped to educate 13,000 children and young people. The Prime Minister of Slovenia has announced that he nominated Opika for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize for his dedication to helping people living in appalling living conditions. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these have been your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, I just wanted to uh, give you a heads up that Monday, the team here, the Catholic Drive Time team, may not be in the studio Monday. And the reason why is because there's a predicted snowstorm for the state of Texas, or at least maybe ice, and ice is really not good. Massive car pile up yesterday in Dallas, for instance. Uh, God rest the souls that were lost there yesterday, praying for them. But in order to be safe, we may not be in the studio Monday, which means we might, uh, we'll probably just pull the show off remotely 
It may or may not uh, go over smoothly. We'll have to just see how it goes, but better to err on the side of caution. Uh, we may be sending an email out over the weekend, especially as regards our game show, because uh, we always have prizes involved in the game show and all of that. We want to make sure that that can continue. So joining our email list is another great way to stay up to date on anything like that. If you want to do that, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt and you can uh, not only watch the show live there on the website now but you can also join our email list as well plus see all the other platforms that we're posting to all of that information is there grnonline.com forward slash cdt and we'll certainly uh, keep you up to date on what happens over the weekend all right joining us right now by phone all the way from uh, sunny california where it never snows or ices or gets below 72 degrees <laughs> according to their state legislation uh is father norbertine father sebastian walsh good morning to you father thank you for being on the program absolutely it's good to be here joe you have a book out father called always catholic how to keep your kids in the faith for life and bring them back if they strayed i gotta tell you father uh here at the catholic radio apostolate uh, guadalupe radio network we we hear from listeners all the time and one of the the number one prayer requests we get uh, by far is pray for my lost children who've left the faith that is such a common prayer. Uh, what motivated you to write this this book in particular? I think it's published by Catholic Answers, well, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. It's published published by Catholic Answers. Well, at, uh, there's a parish I help out at on Sundays in San Clemente called Our Lady of Fatima. And once a month, at least before the pandemic happened, once a month I would have a question and answer after Mass just an open form question and answer for the parishioners to come to to ask any questions about the Catholic faith. It was an opportunity, you know, to catechize and then, you know, allow the, the, the faithful to get more than they could get just in, you know, an ordinary homily. And the number one question I had was, how do I keep my kids Catholic or how do I help my, my kids who have strayed from the faith come back? And it was such a common question, and I had to so often you know, give advice and then ask particular questions about their the state of their child or whatever, and then give advice on that, that I start giving talks on the, the matter just in general. And um, one of the apologists from Catholic Answers was at that talk, the, one of the talks, and he said, why don't you write a book for this? So that's what I did, and it really does seem to fill a great need among the Catholic faithful, especially parents. Uh, Father Sebastian Walsh from the Norbertines is our guest today. Now, I understand that this is a common prayer, as we just talked about, but I think, in my experience, Father, having talked to a lot of parents over the years, Catholic parents, I think one of the things that they run into is the pressure in society to rush their kids off to college, in particular, but let's say rush their kids off into society. And maybe those kids aren't prepared to stand on their own two ground, whether it's peer pressures or, or what, or just life in general or what have you. Um, how do you see that? Do our parents, our parents rushing their kids too quickly into the great world on, on their own? Well, one of the points I make in the book is that, that our children's, the children's generation today is completely different than their parents' generation was, and which is much different than their parents' generation was. And so um, we have this idea that, you know, the educational system is more or less faith neutral, and our kids, we just put them out there, and as long as we gave them the good foundation, you know, in K through 12 or something like that, 
that therefore they're going to be fine sailing the rest of their life. They can go wherever they want, you know, for college because the, the world is more or less, the educational system is more or less faith neutral. Or if you send them to a Catholic college, you would hope that would support their faith. Well, that's been, in fact, the opposite of the truth. You know, when you actually go and you see what's being taught in these universities, and even ones that go by the name Catholic, many, I should say, um, what you find is they're positively designed, the educational system, to dismantle the faith. And usually someone who's had a, an education in the faith up to 12th grade is in no position to really um, answer the objections of people who are, you know, much older than them and who have, you know, studied this in a way to really try and raise objections to the faith that your kids wouldn't be able to handle. And then, besides that, there's a social pressure of the, the vast number of other children who are not from Catholic backgrounds, who are raised just in the society as a whole, and who are basically saying, you know, I, I see the Catholic Church as the largest institution of injustice in the world. That's, that's how, you know, very many non-Catholic young people come to college, and so um, young Catholic people are getting it from all sides. And so one of the points I make is, not only do you have to be careful about their education, you know, getting up to 12th grade and knowing they get an authentic Catholic education there, but you also have to make sure that if they go to a college, that they go to some place that's not going to dismantle their faith. And preferably they would go to a really good Catholic college where they, they know how to educate kids in such a way that they'll be able to stand on their own two feet and then from there, you know, go on to somewhere else. But um, but you can't just, you know, count on the fact that, you know, a, a Catholic college is going to do that for you. You know, even in back in the 50s, I mentioned in my book, my dad went to Notre Dame, got his faith dismantled at Notre Dame wow. in the 1950s. They told him there's no hell. They told him there's no devil. They told him that the only thing you need to do to be um, saved is to feed the poor. And, you know, that my dad, you know, suffered from that for years, decades after his time at Notre Dame. And this is in the mid-1950s. So Catholic parents need to open their eyes. And I give a whole list of ways of identifying an authentic Catholic educational institution from one that's false as part of the uh, one of the chapters in my book. Now, Father Walsh, Emily here. I actually, um, I went to Catholic school my entire life, so I can attest to the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stay in the church because I left the church briefly for a while. Um, but my parents were very steadfast in their faith. They continue to pray for me. But in the world today, um, there's so many things that, that you mentioned in your book that are tempting and luring children away from the church in a material sense there are the transitory pleasures you know you you mentioned sex and that you know sinful things like that but then there's also philosophies political philosophies relativism um we have to go to a break right now but afterwards i'd like to hear what you think is the biggest threat to uh, children losing their faith today all right don't go anywhere on the other side of this very short break father sebastian walsh from the norbertines is going to be back on the uh segment to continue our conversation about keeping your kids catholic we've linked to his book by the way facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time don't go anywhere we'll be right back this is a messy family minute from mike and alicia hernan Many people, especially young people in our culture today, are feeling fragmented and lost. They don't know who they are or where they belong. We can see this in an extreme form in the identity politics in our culture today. 
Without a strong family identity, people see connection and belonging in other places. It's the job of parents to give their children their identity and their mission. Families do this through their individual family culture. Your family culture, which includes daily routines as well as traditions, ultimately communicates a deep sense of belonging for your children. This sense of belonging as well as identity is essential for each person's feeling of worthiness and healthy human development. Having this security enables a person to engage with the world wholeheartedly and ready to love. Our identity shouldn't come from whatever social group we are part of, but instead from the fact that we all come from a family, our family on earth and our family in heaven. For more resources on building your family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Uh, Norbertine Father Sebastian Walsh is on the program. We're having a conversation about uh, his book, Always Catholic, How to Keep Your Kids in the Faith for Life and Bring Them Back if They Have Strayed. It's a very common thing most of us have faced in one shape or another. We've obviously linked to this book. It's published by Catholic Answers, or will be. I guess it comes out on Monday. Uh, it comes out Monday. So you can pre-order now, but you can buy it on Monday as well. And we've linked to it at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Welcome back to the show, Father Sebastian. Thanks so much. Now, Emily, you were asking a question right before we went to break. Right. I wanted to know what you think the biggest potential threat is to children losing their faith. Great. Well, I, I'm going to answer that question in two ways, because there's really two ways that children end up leaving the faith. One is the way that you did, and that is where, where uh, a child will temporarily leave the faith um, for a time, and then they'll come back after a few years or something like that, after kind of a, you know, a few years of straying. And then there's a more long-term you know, departure from the faith that, that often you know, takes decades um, to heal. The first kind of departure from the faith that's shorter and easier to cure are usually due to things that you mentioned, namely um, difficulties with regard to just understanding how the Catholic Church is not, you know, a cause of injustice or um, error or just ridiculous or things like that. Um, I, I make a big point at the beginning of my book of saying Look, the main reason why your children will stay Catholic and want to stay Catholic is because they'll see the connection between being Catholic and being happy. If they see that connection, they'll never leave the faith. But one of the reasons they cease to see that connection is because they think some aspects, some essential aspects of the faith are false. And so they'll leave because they hear different worldly philosophies. They're immersed in the world and in a very Catholic, I mean, anti-Catholic world environment that supplies young people with all sorts of arguments from the time they're little kids. So that's the first reason. I'll say something about the antidote for that in a minute. The second reason, which is why children leave the faith for more long term, at least in my experience, is there's deeper family of origin issues. There's problems at the level of the relationship of the parents to each other and to the children 
Um, and, and very often you'll get something like this. You'll have maybe one parent who's very devout and the other one who's not. And the parent who's devout will um, often be trying to protect the child from the non-devout parent. You know, for example, the mother will be trying to protect the child from the father and saying, don't be like your father. You know, he's this and that, and he doesn't practice his faith. And what they see is the, the Catholic spouse or the one who's more devout anyway, constantly criticizing the other one. Now, a child receives this as saying, the Catholic faith drives a wedge between my parents. Why do I want that faith? And so the, the children and families like that, they don't want anything to do with the Catholic faith because they associate it with a broken family. And that's the last thing they want for their lives. And so they just go their own way, and it takes sometimes decades for them to, to come back and realize that that wasn't really it, but it, it sure seemed like it from their perspective when they were young. So, um, so real quickly, what's an antidote for the first and the second? Um, the antidote for the first is parents need to be much more vigilant than they are over what their children take in. I think it's crazy, for example, for parents to be giving smartphones to teenagers. Um, you know, and that may be very unpopular in the modern world, but I'm sorry, you know, Jesus was also unpopular. The fact of the matter is your children are being exposed to things you have no idea about on the Internet, and, and there's no way that they should be exposed to those, those sort of things without you being able to help them, okay? Um, also, you know, their kid, their friends, who are their friends, and who are, your, who are they spending time with, et cetera? Where are they going to school? Those are things that parents should have an open conversation with their kids about and not be afraid to say, no, we're going to take you out of this environment. It's dangerous for you. With regard to the first, um, the real difficulty there is that the, the parent who's devout needs to recognize the Catholic faith teaches that the believing husband sanctifies the unbelieving wife and the believing wife sanctifies the unbelieving husband. And that means that the Catholic faith teaches us to be more attentive, loving, faithful, affectionate, towards the non-believing spouse or the less devout spouse because of our Catholic faith. And the children need to see mom or dad love their other parent even more because they're Catholic, not that they're trying to distance themselves from them. We're talking with Father Sebastian Walsh from the Norbertines about his book, Always Catholic, How to Keep Your Kids in the Faith for Life and Bring Them Back if They Have Strayed. Now, Father, as you were talking there, I, I, there's a joke at my house that's a long-running joke. It's the things I will never regret while lying on my deathbed. In fact, I, I've give, <laughs> I'm giving this very talk at the Virtual Catholic Men's Conference coming up. I think it's next week, next weekend on the 19th. Mm -hmm. um, but I've given this very talk on a couple of occasions. Uh, things I will never regret on my deathbed. Not giving them more time on the internet. I won't regret that. <laughs> and not letting them play more video games. You're not going to get me to regret that on my deathbed. Not letting them have mm -hmm. access to the latest and greatest devices or, or things or entertainment just because Johnny has them. I'm never going to regret yep. these things. Cutting the uh, cable television out of our house a, over a decade ago now, it seems, uh, it was a smart decision for my wife and I. Um, not only because Absolutely. I was addicted to it, but because they were going to be addicted to it. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a tough pill to swallow for, for, for families, Father. How do, you, how do you get families well, to accept this hard truth? Well, one of the things I point out is um, social media, um, television, Internet, 
most people use those things as emotional anesthesia. And most people will be willing to admit that. In other words, they're bored, they're sad, they're, you know, they don't want to have to deal with difficult things in their life, so they just go online or they just go and they sit in front of the television to just make it go away. And once people recognize, hey, why am I watching television? Why am I sitting for hours on the Internet? And the answer is emotional anesthesia. I'm just trying to take the pain away. Well, what would a doctor say if you had a bad you know, pain in your leg and you just kept on taking a bunch of painkiller and not addressing the problem? I think a doctor would tell you, stop taking the anesthesia. It's, it's making you ignore something that's a real problem. You have to address this problem. And I say the same thing to parents out there. You know, don't just take the easy way out. You have to address real problems and you have to talk them through and you have to have a healthy family, not an anesthetized family. Okay. So it, once people recognize that, and I think most people are willing to admit, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. And that's maybe why my kids are doing it. Then you can sit down and say, we need a healthy family. We need healthy relationships. We need healthy conversations. We need to ask forgiveness and give forgiveness. We need to change our lives for things so that we're actually, we actually enjoy just being around each other and talking to each other. Those sort of things go a long way in fixing this problem. Now, most parents today um, have not been very well catechized. That's just a, you know, something that the church has been struggling with for a while. What would you say to parents who feel that they're not capable of, of teaching the full truths and theology of our tradition to their children? Yeah, well, the failure in catechesis, as you mentioned, goes way back, and so most parents are actually living under the, the consequences of that failure. Mm-hmm. You know, our grandparents, you know, probably were, you know, much, much better educated than our parents, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, fortunately, there's one thing that the Internet does provide, and that is access to excellent catechetical tools, right? I point out Catholic Answers is an excellent resource for people. Um, I recommend to everyone, if you don't have a catechism in the Catholic Church, you know, the edition put out under St. John Paul II, if you don't have one in your home, you need to have one in your home um, so that you have that. Um, one of the things I recommend when you're starting with young children is that you go through, like at the breakfast table, you have a nice conversation at breakfast, and you read a little section of the catechism, you know, with your kids every single day, um, whether it's a nice little, the old Baltimore catechism or another one, or even the big catechism, you read a little section every day for breakfast and you talk to your kids about it and you do that for years and you get through the whole catechism. So, um, we have excellent resources today that, that didn't exist before. And the only reason someone's badly catechized today is because they haven't put the effort forth. You can find excellent catechesis. Um, make sure that it's it's not posing as Catholic when it's not, right? Make sure it's got either, you know, an imprimatur from um, the Holy See where it's, you know, you're, you're talking about something that's issued by the Holy See or that it's from a very reputable Catholic source like Catholic Answers or another good Catholic um, source like that. Now, Father Walsh, we have a question from the audience right now. But you only have two minutes to go. Uh, Patty on Facebook. I can do it. I'll do it. Patty on Facebook says, how can you help grandkids when the parents aren't actively involved in the church and the kids don't want the interference? Yeah, that's a difficult thing with um, (laughs) many grandparents, like I said, are better educated than their own children are. So in a case like this, the best thing you can do is recognize first, 
it's not your place to replace their parents. Mm. Their parents have a natural um, right to educate their own children, and it's not your place to take over for the parents, okay? And that's really important because when children see their grandparents interfering in their parents' rights, then it makes them want the Catholic faith less, right? Instead, the role of grandparents there is, first of all, with their own children, to show them how being a Catholic helped them to stay together, to love one another, to be happier, to get through the trials and difficulties of life. And then also to the grandchildren, if you're having any struggles, let me know, and then offering third to pray with them. If there's one thing that, um, that helps keep families together, it's prayer, especially saying the rosary every day and daily mass. And if you invite your children and grandchildren to pray without any pressure, then at the very least they'll know that um, grandma and grandpa are people of prayer and that makes them better people. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Well done. You got it done in time. Father (laughs) Sebastian Walsh from the Norbertines. His book is Always a Catholic, How to Keep Your Kids in the Faith for Life and Bring Them Back if They Have Strayed. It comes out on Monday from Catholic Answers. We've linked to it at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Thank you, Father Walsh, for your time today. We're very grateful to you. You're most welcome. Thanks so much, Joe and Emily. God bless you. God bless you. God love you. Have a great weekend, Father. That's going to do it for the first hour, but more Catholic Drive Time is coming your way. If you can join us across the GRN or on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, just search for us there, at GRN Online. We're giving out prizes today for the game show. All that coming up next. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. 
Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord, and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Anne is a real GRN listener, so to help tell her story, we hired Open Line Monday host, John Martinoni. I love listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN. Anne is a smart girl. And when I found out the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, I was like, where do I sign up? Getting even smarter. So, I went to grnonline.com and bought five tickets for $100. That's a stale. Celebrity voice impersonated. Drawing ends March 1st. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise God. We just had a great, uh, all-too-short conversation with Father Sebastian Walsh from the Norbertines. He's got this book out, How to Keep Your Kids Catholic for Life. comes out on Monday from Catholic Answers. We link to it, of course. But we'll be posting that conversation by itself as a video on the Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel and on Rumble. Uh, and I'm sure it gets posted, cross-posted elsewhere as well. It, by the way, we are experimenting with Catholic Drive Time's uh, landing page today. So if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you can actually watch the show live today, uh, right now. And I think I'm going to add a chat box there as well. So we're, we're hoping to continue to develop this as sort of a resource page where you can find all the links of everything we talk about. And, and eventually, you can, of course, you can sign up to our email list. You can get the audio podcast there. You know, v- videos broken by, down by category. All of that is there. Check that out, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Great conversation this morning, Emily. Oh, my goodness. Father Sebastian, so wise. Like, you can tell that he um, really listens to his, uh, the people that he ministers to, his parishioners. What a great guest. Yeah, praise God. Speaking of uh, listening to people, Adrian Fonseca's here. Good morning to you, Adrian. I'm sorry. What? I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a saying, uh, if you can't teach something at a very simple and concise level, then you don't actually know it. And Father really showed that he knows yeah. his topic, been able to answer difficult questions yes. in a minute and a half. And when he said emotional anesthesia, that was just such a great way of concisely yeah. capturing that whole phenomenon. Yeah, speaking of emotions, I was getting nervous. Two minutes on the clock, and he gets a powerful, heavy question like, what can grandparents do for their uh, grandchildren? He nailed you know, it. I was like, I was starting to sweat. I'm like, he's, I'm going to have to interrupt him when he's saying something important. And he nailed it. Yeah, praise God, it was a great answer. So great. we'll be posting that. We'll have him back. I think he's he also is very good on many other topics, like marriage, for instance. He I just listened to an interview he did with Patrick Coffin on marriage that I thought was powerful. But before we run out of, run out of the clock time here, 
today, in this hour. Of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories. Of course, we'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. But in my hand here is the questions for the last three opportunities to get in on this week's prize of the Catholic Trivia Game Show, Fear and Trembling. ChooseLife.com. C-H-E-W-S Life.com. It's a chewable teething rosary for infants, and my second grandchild is on the way, but I can't win this prize. Uh, but you, my dear listeners, can. So if you've never played before, today could be a great opportunity. The last three chances to get in on that drawing, which we will do today on the show live, will happen shortly. So be prepared to dial the number and be the first caller, and you could be our contestant. So that's coming up. Of course, we'll play the Holy Mass at 7.30, and the after show, we will conversate about the program with you, the audience. You get to be a part of the program in the after show. In fact, you're the biggest part of the program in the after show. So your comments, your questions on our live video feeds on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter are what drive the after show. Any organic conversation that comes up there is what we talk about. So that's this hour. We hope you can join uh, either for some or all of it, but let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we're including your intentions with our intentions, dear listener, asking Our Lady to whisper these into the ear of her Son, our Lord and Savior, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcrez. At least nine people have died now in car crashes as of Thursday evening due to winter storms across the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. A 133-car pileup in Fort Worth left at least six people dead. The pileup was reported around 6 a.m. Central Time and spanned roughly a mile and a half. 65 people were hospitalized as a result. The incident was one of many reported in the Dallas-Fort Worth and Austin areas during dicey weather conditions on Thursday that included freezing rain and accumulating ice. Over 300 accidents have been reported overnight since then. The state of Alabama has canceled the first scheduled execution of the year. The lethal injection of Willie B. Smith III was called off by Alabama after justices maintained an injunction issued by the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, saying he could not be executed without his pastor present in the chamber. The Department of Corrections spokeswoman Samantha Rose said the execution would not proceed given the ruling. Alabama has maintained that non-prison staff should not be in the room for security reasons. Smith had been scheduled to receive a lethal injection, injection at a South Alabama prison, for the 1991 murder of 22-year-old Sharma Ruth Johnson in Birmingham. The religious freedom law firm Beckett filed an amicus brief in the case supporting Smith's request for Pastor Wiley to be present at his execution. Governor Andrew Cuomo's top aide has admitted that her team withheld the number of deaths related to COVID-19 in New York's nursing homes to shield the Cuomo government from federal investigation and political scrutiny. The New York Post reported on Thursday that Melissa DeRosa, New York's secretary to the governor, apologized to Democrat state legislators over the political damage caused by the Cuomo government's suppression of information related to nursing home deaths. 
The Associated Press speculated that Cuomo's government's underreporting of deaths linked to the COVID-19 uh, in, in nursing homes sorry, may have dealt a potential blow to his image as a pandemic hero. And Catholic students in Michigan attended Mass in an ice chapel that they built themselves. Over the past six years, students at Michigan Technological University and the local community have come together to build Our Lady of the Snows, a temporary ice chapel constructed for the town's winter carnival. This year, however, the chapel seems needed more than ever as it has allowed the faithful to gather and attend Mass in compliance with COVID restrictions. The masses were live streamed for those who couldn't handle the frigid temperatures, but for those who did brave the freezing weather, the parish offered hot cocoa after the liturgy. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed George Haydock, pray for us. He was born in 1557 in Cottam Hall in Lancashire, England. He was the youngest son of Evan and Helen Haydock, educated at the English College in Douai in France and the English College in Rome. He was ordained a priest on the 21st of December 1581 in Reims, and he returned to England, to the mission fields, to to bring back the, the lost that have left the faith there, that were persecuting Catholics in the country in the time, thanks to Queen Elizabeth I. But he was arrested and served 15 months in the Tower of London for the crime of being a priest. At one point, though, uh, curiously, he was allowed to administer the sacraments to his fellow prisoners. I've never seen that before. Uh, is in these English cases. He was a zealous supporter of the Holy Father. And that is why they sentenced him to death. And on the 12th of February, 1584, standing on the gallows in Tyburn, where so many other priests had stood, he said this to his executioners and to those that were in attendance. I pray, God, that my blood may increase the Catholic faith in England. They hung him, they drawn him, and they quartered him. And we ask for his intercession today. Pope John Paul II beatified him on the November of 20, November 22nd, 1987. Blessed George Haydock, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment, and, be and begged him to lay his hands on them. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears, and spitting, touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned, and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. The Lord is still uh, preaching in Gentile country here. I mean, mostly Gentile. Of course, there were some Jews that lived there, but it was also Gentile country. 
And as we said over the past few days, this is a a foretaste of the mission of the church to go forth and to make disciples of all nations. The actual mission of the church is to evangelize the world, to bring back the lost family of God who had given themselves over to to the pagan ways, to bring them back into the the fold here. And so he is preaching among these Gentiles. I I love this sentence. Okay, so they bring him a deaf man. And not only does he not just, you know, will for this man to hear again, which he could, he didn't even have to do anything. He is God incarnate. He is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He doesn't have to do anything to heal. He can simply will it, and it happens, right? Even the wind and the waves obey this man. And yet, he pulls him aside. He goes to the effort to put his fingers in his ears, to spit, and to touch his tongue. I mean, he does all of these intentional actions. But I love the line where it says, he looked to heaven, and he groaned. I would love, 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 love to ask our Lord about that someday. About what did he groan? What was the groaning, Lord? I mean, what was that? I just think that is so personal and so intimate that the Lord wants to heal us, that he would go through the effort to touch to be intentional, to even groan to heaven. I think it's powerful. But it also reminds us of what John the Baptist sent his disciples to look for if Jesus was, the, in fact, the true Messiah, or would they look for another? And Jesus says, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the lame will be, will be healed, the dead will be raised. And what do we see here in Mark's gospel so far? Chapter 1, a leper was healed. Chapter 5, he raised the dead. Here in chapter 7, the deaf is hearing. Guess what happens in the next chapter? The blind will see. It should remind us of what Jesus is telling us and what the, the author here, Mark himself, is telling us through the preaching of Peter, that Jesus is truly the Messiah and we must follow him. But Jesus doesn't want this to be known through just miracles. We must embrace the Holy Cross. We must get to Easter Sunday glory through the Good Friday Passion first. And if we should be his disciples, as Jesus would tell us, we must take up our cross and follow him to Calvary and there be crucified next to him. Are we prepared to suffer? Lent starts on Wednesday. Let us prepare ourselves to suffer joyfully and heroically. Adrian, Emily? Yes, so the uh, real quick, the two things that I wanted to point out were that Lapide points out that we have uh, these the man who was uh, born bl- uh, born deaf and mute he is not sinning when he goes out and he proclaims that God has healed him even though that our Lord told him not to uh, c- told him not to proclaim that his that the miracle now the reason why this is important is because uh, a lot according to Lapide he does not command him properly speaking instead he just uh, encourages him not to do it. And so Alapide says, because he did not sin and because our Lord did say this, we are taught two things by this. And what two things are we taught? One, that we should uh, not seek for applause whenever we do something beneficial. Whenever we do acts of charity, we should not seek uh, for us, for that, uh, that charity to be known. And the second thing we should learn from that is that we should praise our benefactors even if they are unwilling to be praised because they should not want to be praised, but we should, we should praise them anyways. Now, the other point I wanted to make was that, uh, was in regards to the, to the touching of the tongue and the healing of the ears. So these two things are symbols 
of two very important things. The mouth is symbol of preaching the word of God. And so when our Lord opened his mouth, he healed him and made him able to proclaim the word of God, which he goes and does the next very next uh, passage in that very next sentence. And uh, and then it opens up his ears so that way he may hear the word of God because faith comes through hearing. And so we have uh, so now he can proclaim the creed and hear the creed uh, as is proclaimed to uh, to him. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, you know, there's two books I want to recommend real quick before we go to our break, especially in regards to the missions in England in the 16th century. The, the Autobiography of a Hunted Priest is a great book by Father Gerard, just to give you some real detailed insight of what life was like as a priest in those times. And of course, Evelyn Waugh's A Life of Edmund Campion. Fantastic, fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Excellent gift. You should ponder and and think about what we are uh, willing to suffer for. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. I have the hot questions. The prizes are involved today, and we're going to pull a winner. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McLean. 877-757-9424. Looking for our first caller who uh, has not played before yet. We're still looking for people to have a, an opportunity to be a part of the game show who have not had that chance yet. 
And the phone lines are wide open, so your chance to win the prize this week is great. Three new opportunities to get into the prize drawing, which will happen today. The phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. One more time. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Call now, and we'll take the first caller to be our contestant. Three easy questions. Well, maybe not so easy, but here's the cool thing: as I don't ask you the call or the questions, I ask Emily, I ask Adrian. They have to be the ones to answer. And you, my dear listener, will just have fifteen seconds on the clock to decide who do you trust. Do you trust Emily? Do you trust Adrian? Even if you don't know, you'd have a fifty-fifty shot at getting it right. And we saw some chances uh, this week of callers asking. Actually going to, you know, having to choose, didn't know, but they made a good guess and uh, and they still got it right. So the chances of getting into the coffee cup and even winning today are really, really good. Uh, we have a sponsor and we're so very grateful for our sponsors uh, of the underwriting of our prizes. But the phone number right now is 877-757-9424. Looking for that first caller to be our contestant. Tell us who the sponsor is, Emily. So this week's sponsor is ChooseLife.com, and that's Choose, C-H-E-W-S. Um, and they are giving away a handmade silicone teething rosary for babies. So Choose Life is a, a company that was started by 25 Catholic moms in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And they just got together and they said, why not make your baby products uh, devotionals as well? Um, and so this is great if you have a baby teething baby that you want to, you know, keep entertained or quiet at mass or um, anywhere you go. And so they are also actually giving away a 10% discount to all of our listeners. So if you want to get one of their silicone rosaries, teething rosaries for someone in your life and you weren't able to call in this week, well, you can use the code Guadalupe Radio 10. That's Guadalupe Radio in all caps and then the number one zero for 10% off. All right. Praise be to God. We are grateful to everyone who calls in and tries to be on our game show. Uh, thank you for that. But we always take the first caller, especially if they've never played before. Good morning to you, Fran. Thank you for being a part of our game show today. You're very welcome. I've never played, and I actually don't even know what the game show is today. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you are in for a treat. Fran, where are you from? Sugarland. Texas. Sugarland, Texas. Now, are you prepared for the great uh, nor'easter storm that's headed your way this weekend? I think you're going to get six to eight feet of snow. <laughs> I, I, I don't think quite that much, but no, we have things to do tomorrow to protect the plants. <laughs> All right, good. All right, so here's how the game is played. I have three questions, Catholic trivia questions, but I don't ask you. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. And then, Fran, you will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do you trust more, Emily or Adrian. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win the prize pack. So pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You always have just a 50-50 shot at it. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, Emily, we will start with you, as is our custom. Okie dokie. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Emily, what is the term... For the sincere effort to call to mind all the sins we have committed since our last confession. I'm looking for a term. Okay, I think this is discernment. Okay, that's your answer. Yeah, I'm going to go with discernment. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, Adrian, can you tell me the term for the sincere effort to call to mind all the sins that we have committed since our last confession? Mm, Let's see. 
That is a examination of conscience. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So Adrian is on the hook for an examination of conscience, and Emily is on the hook for discernment. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong, Fran? What say you? Adrian is correct. Survey says. Wow. Well there you go. Easy you nailed money. that one, Fran. Very good. You weren't Didn't at all. Didn't even hesitate. Through. Now, how how here's a pop question. How often should we do an examination of conscience? Every Adrian? night before bed. Every night before bed is a general practice. Or at least a good one right before confession. Yes, praise God. Well done, Fran. You're in the coffee cup now. You have two more chances. You, you feeling pretty good? I am. Praise God. All right, let's go with it. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Adrian, can you tell me, or rather, can you name one of the three things that Our Lady of Fatima told the children to do? Name one? Just you, only, you only need to name one of the three. Okay, I only have to name one of the three. I mean, but it's super easy. It's pray the rosary, do penance, and honor the Immaculate Heart. So, I mean, there's all three. There's all but, Okay. You know. So, Maybe. We'll so see. So it's one of the three you mentioned. Rosary, Maybe, I guess. penance, honor her immaculate heart. That's your answer. Uh, you know. Okay. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you name at least one of the three things that Our Lady of Fatima told the children to do? Okay. He took all my guesses. So <laughs> um, I'm going to go with to share the gospel. To share the gospel? Yes. Could, it sounds reasonable. Could be. Could be. Emily is on the hook for to share the gospel. Adrian is on the hook for... Pray the rosary, do penance, and honor her immaculate heart. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Fran, what say you? Adrian is correct again. Wow. I was going to say, should you trust Adrian that much? I was going to be my I mean, but you were in fact correct. Congratulations. This time, yeah. This, this time. That doesn't mean we can't. Can I press the new can, button? Yes, go ahead. Duh. Duh. <laughs> All right, Fran, congratulations. Brand new button. <laughs> Two chances you're in the coffee cup of divine providence. We pulled the winner today, so we got to keep an eye on the clock because Holy Mass starts at 7.30. Fran, are you feeling pretty good for your third question now? Because the third one oh, could be tricky. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, here we go. Uh, Emily, back to you. Emily, okay. what early Christian symbol spelled out the initials of the Greek words Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Looking looking for a symbol from the early church days that spelled out Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Finally! You asked me, I studied Greek. Finally. I studied Greek, Joe. This is the ictus. The ictus. Yes, the ictus. It's the fish symbol. The fish that you know. uh, That's your your answer. (laughs) Yes, it's the Greek word ictus, and it's a fish symbol that you see. Mm -hmm. That's your answer. Yes, it is. The ictus. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you give me an early Christian symbol that spelled out the Greek words Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior? Well, I'm going to go with the Cairo, the symbol that. Constantine saw in the sky whenever he was going off to battle and put it on the shields and won the war. Mm. The Cairo. One of my favorites is the Cairo, I have to say. Is it right? Is it wrong? Who knows? Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for the Cairo. Emily is on the hook for the fish symbol, the Ictus. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Fran, what say you? Em- Emily is correct this time. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Perfect score, friend. Three for three. Wow. Wow. There I was, was no fooling you today, friend. You, you're obviously very uh, knowledgeable about your Catholic faith. Congratulations, friend. 
thank you. I'm glad to be so. Praise be to God. Now, the prize pack is Choose Life. Emily's putting your name on in the cup, mm-hmm. and you're going to mix all that up really well. We'll pull a name here. But while she's working on that, Fran, uh, uh, do you have someone who might be a benefit to a teething rosary? To a teething rosary? Teething. So teething the, for babies. The, the prize pack is from ChooseLife.com, which is a Catholic mom-run and uh, a run business. And they, it's a, a teething rosary, so babies can uh, teethe on the Holy Rosary to meditate upon the gospel itself by chewing on it. <laughs> well, yes, I do. The little boy who's about to be my godson. <laughs> oh, praise God. Oh, well, how wonderful is that? Congratulations. Well, Emily, have you, uh, have you mixed that up? Yes, now, I, I have a name. It's a little awkward with Fran being on the air. <laughs> if she doesn't get her name pulled, you know, how are you going to live with yourself, Emily? Every week, this is my struggle, Joe. It hurts me. <laughs> but somebody has to win, right? Someone has to win. Let's pray for God's will to be done in this circumstance. Okay. And drumroll. This week's winner of the Teething Rosary is Rose. Well, I'm sorry, Fran, but I'm happy for Rose at the same time. Yeah, well, well, Rose. Praise God, Fran. And you can still get a discount on that rosary, though, Fran. If you want a 10% discount, they're using the code Guadalupe Radio 10. All right. Well, God love you, God Fran. You we're very grateful you were part of our show today. Have a great weekend and try to stay out of the giant snowstorm headed your way. God bless you all. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye bye. And that's going to do it for the radio side of our program today. We'll have. The Holy Mass starting here at 30 after. Of course, we stay on for the after show, live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or you can just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can actually watch the live video there. But really want to interact with you. So anything about the show that came up, our conversation with Brent Haynes in the What's Concerning Us, the Gospel, the Saint of the Day, our conversation with Father Sebastian Walsh, Whatever's on your mind, uh, comment either on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter on the live video feeds, and we'll interact with you there. We always enjoy that for the next uh, 20, 30 minutes or so. Monday show may be interesting, because if a snowstorm does hit the Houston area, we probably will have to do the whole show remotely from our bunkers. And who knows what that may sound and look like, but we'll have something. I'll probably send an email to our CDT list. So if you want to get in on that to get the updates, you can do that at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Great place to sign up, get the Father Bill Casey talk, as well as just as a thank you, plus be informed of what we're going to be doing during the holy season of Lent. We're very grateful for everyone who's already joined up. It's, it's looking very exciting at this point. So that's going to do it today. On Monday, uh, we will we'll have a live guest. We're excited about it. John DeRosa will be on. And we're going to whole lineup next week. So join us for Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time.
where we talk a little more casually about the conversations we've had, the topics we brought up, and uh, and generally make fun of Adrian most of the time. What is there to make fun of? I'm well, basically, perfect. I'm glad you asked. I, <laughs> I, I, I started a list about two years ago, and I've been adding to it. <laughs> two years ago, and after 782 pages, uh, I think I finally nailed it. Oh my goodness! Praise God! And you know, just when I thought we were friends, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna. Of course, I don't want to get in the way of you le- letting you, Adrian, read all of Jesus's comments. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have to go back a little bit. Jesus has been commenting from the from the beginning of the show today. He said, "Good morning, Joe, Emily, and Adrian." At the top of the show, he uh, said, "Great questions, great answers for Father." And so, and Father, oh my goodness, we had a lot of comments about Father. We have to go back and read all the comments for Father. He said, uh, it's funny when Emily tells people that the grand prize is a chewable rosary, and then she has to explain that it's for babies. (laughs) 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 He said, wow, Cuomo suppressed the info. His administration admitted to lying. A simple apology would mitigate that. Amazing. It seems with that these people's accountability is held to, at a lower standard, while a conservative is gutted for admitting a mistake. Yes. Stand uh, standards are so twisted. He yeah. said, "I remember when Trump intentionally tried to downplay COVID to not create a massive panic, and he was torn to shreds for telling people that he tried to bring calm in a sea of panicking media. Cuomo deliberately lied and fought bitterly without restraint and accused everyone." As he was, uh, who was, who was questioning him. Uh, now the truth is out. No one will cover it except you guys. Whomever else <laughs> that covers the, the story will be apologetic for him and the narrative will be an embattled governor by, by a hateful president. And then about the game show, Jesus said, Oh, go Adrian. And then again, <laughs> go Adrian. Oh, come That's my on, favorite. Jesus, he, was he said, The fish. You can't goes, encourage Adrian. Him. Come up with the, uh, come, come up with all these fancy terms. I like the Cairo. I love the Cairo. <laughs> come on now. I was rooting for Cairo. Didn't work out, though. Yeah, I thought I was going to get her with that one. You know, the thing about uh, Cuomo, real quick, we won't dwell on this, but the, the, the thing about that conversation, yes, Cuomo lied, and he did so to protect himself. As his aide uh, made clear this week, they were trying to avoid being investigated by the federal uh, authorities. So that's why they were hiding the number. Um, but guess, guess what gets lost uh, as part of that conversation? The actual people that died from uh from from being infected because of his policy it's like yes it's it's at the heart of it but also we're not really thinking of them either we're all we're thinking about is cuomo and what he did or did not do what trump did or did not do those poor people and guess what it's happening again in other states it's not it's not just in new york minnesota also is doing this sending infect code infected patients back to nursing homes so it's not just new york it's elsewhere too and i am very concerned because that's the most risky category of our population is the elderly and people with comorbidities they are the most likely to to actually get sick and die of this and they're the ones that are under assault so let's pray for them for sure all right, I see on YouTube, Anna's over there. I see Monica, of course, Angelo. His wife uh, was uh, our guest yesterday, uh, praise God. And uh, let's see, uh, yeah, so thanks for hanging out with us. Monica says, thank you for talking about this. Uh, I think she's referring to Father Sebastian Walsh, and I, in particular, keeping the kids Catholic. Mm-hmm. says, really hitting home, praying for all of our us parents trying to keep our children Catholic in this toxic environment. Amen. Thank you, Monica. Yeah, for sure. Angelo says, uh, thank you, Father Walsh. Wish there was more time to hear more. Yeah, amen. Uh, we're going to have to get him back for sure. 
Father yeah. Sebastian Walsh is just the kind of priest you wish was your spiritual director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, is there is there uh, there's a way I can uh, hook that up? You know, get, get my get him to be my spiritual director, maybe. Uh, no, yeah, he was amazing. I think we'll definitely have him back. He has a book out on marriage, and so we probably have to get him back to uh, talk about that. Oh, yeah. And then he did a great interview with um, Cy Kellett with Catholic Answers mm-hmm. on modernism. So I want to bring him back to talk about that as well. So and I was so listening much. to his interview with with Pat uh, Coffin. And uh, on marriage, and it was, like I said, it was great, you know, really powerful, really hitting home. So we should have him back for a number of reasons. Uh, I oh, see yeah. Chris, Chris hanging out with us on the Facebook side says 8 a.m. I'm guessing he, he means... If you read the comment before it, yeah, I should asked, we go off? should we go off at 7.50 a.m. or should we go <laughs> off at 8 a.m.? Uh, so we've been talking about it because on Monday mornings, so here's some, uh, here's some insider information. On Monday mornings, we may be producing a new show. I don't know if Joe has mentioned Monday. it yet, but on Monday morning after our show, we're going to start producing a new show. I'm not going to tell you the details. If Joe wants to do that, I'll let him. Um, but we have to go off about 7.50 so I can help start producing that show. Uh, Tuesday through Friday, should we go off at 7.50 a.m. or should we go off at 8 a.m.? Because we can do that if we want. Uh, let us know. Yeah, and well, I want to know. Oh, go ahead. I was going to mention Joaquin hanging out with us on the Catholic Drive Time side of Facebook. I'm just asking if anyone from Stations of the Cross is tuning in with us right now. I want to hear about what the weather's like over there because we keep talking about <laughs> Texas weather, but I want to hear about some real weather. They didn't even some real weather. <laughs> They're like not phased. Oh, four foot snow. Oh, no problem. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's not even a day off of school for them. You know. Oh no, no absolutely not. <laughs> but in Texas, it's kind of a big deal. We don't have sand trucks and uh, and salt trucks What's like a they sand do. Truck? Did you say sand? Truck? What's a sand, sand truck? trucks? Yeah, sand. They put sand on the roads. Okay. Yeah, you guys never heard of that? No. Where are you from? Oh, <laughs> you're you're from Texas. You're from Chicago. You get snow I know in Chicago. Salt trucks. Yeah, we use we, salt trucks. Yeah, we get sand up. The, it, I, I lived uh, in New Hampshire for ten years, and we use both sand oh, okay. and salt. In fact, I used to carry kitty litter in my car all winter what long. The, that's weird. Man. Just to get myself out of uh, stuck situations. I have like tra- traumatic memories of having to get up early and go start the car half an hour before yes. you have to drive to school. I was always jealous of the rich people who had auto start oh. from a key fob. <laughs> like, like someday I want to have a car where I can remotely start it from the inside of my house. And then I moved to Texas and it was no longer a thing. Like it, it no longer needed to be a thing, yeah. right? Because because uh, it's so weird. It right. doesn't uh, doesn't get that cold here. So what if you like? What if we got exercise salt and salted the ground? Yes. with exercise salt. That'd be cool. That'd, That'd be based. Be cool. We talked about that yesterday. It'd be amazing. Yeah, praise God. Uh, any uh, yeah? So anybody living for in the great Northeast, New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Virginia, anybody who has uh, you know, frigid temperatures and lots of snow, we'd love to hear how you're doing. How are right you guys now. holding up? <laughs> yeah, praise God. It was crazy. Did you see the video of the car crashes? That was in horrible. Dallas. That was one semi truck. Oh my goodness. Mm. I was so that was disturbing to watch. I don't recommend tragic. you go watch it if you've not seen it. Mm. Trust me, it, it it's left a mark just watching this semi truck come barreling into this pile oh of cars. Mm-hmm. It looks like so. something out of like a action movie, honestly. Yeah. Like it's so it's so unreal how it Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely unreal. That's terrifying. Yeah, I gotta pray for the, the people who died there. Mm. Yeah, five people died, I believe. And sixty five well, six people died in that pileup, and then sixty five were sent to the hospital. Oh my goodness. That's insane. Valentine. Did I get it right today? Valentine. Yes. yes. Good morning to you. Hanging out with us on YouTube. Thanks, Thank God it's Friday. Yeah, praise God. Oh, honestly. 
I'm going to take a long, <laughs> take a fat nap. <laughs> fat nap. I, I have to nap every day. Uh, it says, I used exercise <gasps> salt around our police headquarters That's during really protesting. Cool. Do, do they know that? <laughs> Jesus is the, wow. most, is the most based police officer I've ever met in my life. I, I love oh this my guy. Goodness. I have been to Jesus' office at the police headquarters. It is... Can, He's got more statuary than a Catholic bookshop. Can we make him? Can we make him like chief when we secede? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. 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 You know that. Okay. Speaking of secession. Uh oh. So Here we go. This has become a rabbit hole for me lately. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, you have a new rabbit hole? Yeah, I got about a dozen. The it's latest like, one. I have as many rabbit holes as I have books on my nightstand waiting to be read. Okay. Uh, so there is a movement. If you're not from Texas, if you're hanging out anywhere not from Texas, there is a movement called the. The Texas Nationalist Movement. Nothing to do with skin color, by the way. Okay. But uh, there's a movement. It's been around since like 2005. Oh, it, it's been trying to gain steam. And it hasn't gotten all that far. But in 2020, a lot changed. And now very serious Catholic politicians are getting behind this. Or not Catholic, forgive me. Just conservative politicians, we'll say, are getting behind this. I'm sure there's a lot of Catholics behind it as well. But uh, now, in fact, they've got some Texas representatives who are trying to get a bill uh, through the Texas legislature to get a vote in November to leave the union. And the thought... I started thinking about this because it's getting more serious. It's like becoming more of a could-be-possible thing instead of just some hypothetical. And then I thought, well, what, what's the ramifications of Texas with, like, the 10th largest GDP in the world leaving the union and becoming its own country? Now, the people behind the movement don't want to be – they don't want to be another United States. They don't want to join with Idaho, who's also looking to leave the Union, or parts of California that are looking to secede from the other parts of California, or Oregon, the, the eastern part of Oregon wants to leave the western part of Oregon. Most people don't know that. Uh, so they, it's not as though these people want to join those states as well. They want to be back to 1835 and being the Texas Republic, you know, that kind of thing. But the, the thought was so fascinating to me. And then you were saying recently you heard this uh, talk among Catholics talking about secession and and uh, from a Catholic perspective. We, I'm I'm curious to dive into that. What all the ramifications? Like all of a sudden, would I need a visa to go visit my relatives in the United States? You just have all your relatives move here. I don't think they would, but uh, you know, would uh, would Austin empty out because it's so filled with liberals who've come here from California? Would they want to be c citizens of Texas, or would they have to leave in order to maintain their citizenship in America? Would everybody who's paid into Social Security get reimbursed for what they've paid in? I mean, or could they get a Social Security check from a foreign country? I mean, how about people serving in our military? Would they be told to leave Texas because they're U.S. citizens and not Texas citizens? How about Texans serving in our military elsewhere? Would they be uh, discharged and sent, uh, allowed to go uh, home to Texas, their new country? I mean, it just, the, the, it's over and over. I just wonder what, what, what all this means. Uh, so we're talking about maybe getting someone on to go down this rabbit hole with me. And, uh, and answer some of my hypothetical questions. Now, who was it that you heard? You, you sent me the link. I haven't watched it. Yes, it was a, a professor. I forget his name, but he was a professor. The Census Fidelium, guys. If y'all don't know what Census Fidelium is, y'all should definitely check it out. It's an awesome YouTube channel where they basically will post homilies from really awesome priests. Uh, but the guy who runs it was interviewing this professor on uh, secession from a Catholic perspective. 
And so we, uh, I listened to it, and it was very interesting because uh, he didn't exactly talk about the issues that Joe is raising, but purely from a ethical and moral standpoint, is it okay to secede, and could America do it? And he talks, and gives examples of uh, countries around the world who has done gone through secession peacefully, and how that compares in America. And to me, it sounds basically like theoretically it's possible, but the chances are. Not likely. Uh, it's kind of what I'm, kind of what I'm gathering. But it was very interesting. Um, well, my, my, want to reach out to him, get him on. Uh, we'll see what happens. Mm. I know that the Texas Nationalist movement, they don't want war. They don't want anything like that. They're looking for a Brexit-like model uh, that would allow Texas to basically just pull back from the union, but maintain the 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 state government's uh, infrastructure that we currently have. Yeah, Jesus says on uh, Facebook. You know they will not allow it. Texas has the greatest economy in the USA. So many hypotheticals. I wonder what the cancel culture would do. Uh, yeah, this is a very important point, too, that uh, the guy noted. He said that Texas is, I think, I can't remember. I'm going to probably mess this up, so don't quote me on this. I believe he said that Texas, if it was its own country, it would the, had the fourth largest GDP. Fourth. And, I gave it tenth. He's giving oh, it fourth. Okay, maybe uh, maybe I, I'm misquoting him. That's why I'm saying don't quote me on this because wow. I, I think I – Still. Uh, but still, that is massive. massive. Tenth or fourth. And it's bigger than uh, than most of the countries in Europe even. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty radical. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I definitely see the argument that America would not want Texas leaving just due to the economical factor alone. Ima- yeah, exactly. Imagine if there was no federal regulations limiting what the oil and gas business could be doing in here, in Texas in particular. How that might affect the economy even more. But would would businesses like like. Uh, your buddy Elon Musk, right? Uh, he's moved. Yeah, we're friends. He's moved. Jeff Bezos has got a space program here in Texas. Would those would those companies stay? Uh, how many companies might pick up and leave because they don't want to be citizens of the People's Republic of Texas, but they want to maintain their citizenship in America? I I don't know. I don't know the answers. I'm just it did make my brain is spinning thinking about all this. Emily, I mean, your family uh, is uh, from Chicago. Yeah, I mean, would you stay in Texas would or would you, you go, in go Texas back to Chicago? Or, would you have to apply for a visa to, uh, you know, who knows what America might require Texans to do in order to get to leave and go to other parts of this continent? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do, honestly. I might go back to Chicago because it's kind of a scary thing to just start a new country. And you don't, it's, that's very unstable. Like, who would run it? How would it, you know, what, what would the rules be? Well, uh, if the Texas nationalist model is the one that gets uh, followed, well, you already have a governor, you have a legislature, you have mayors and and city councilmen, and you have you know m- rules and laws in the state already. So it, they just remove the federal part. Mm-hmm. So that's the they shear off all the federal part, and that means all your tax dollars stop going to Washington D.C. They stay here. They stop funding abortion. Yeah, well, that's a possibility. It would have to be voted in, right? You'd have to well, we pretty much get lo- you'd have to get legislation passed through the Texas House to to get. Uh, how about uh, so abortion would become a big one? About marriage could be another one that's concerning to Catholics. I mean, there's a lot of issues as Catholics, uh, religious liberties that are seemingly more protected here in this state. Would they be more more fortified uh, under that? I have no idea. I don't even know. And then would America, would the United States government, just allow their biggest chunk of the economy and oil and gas just to walk away like that would how would they react to all of that you know if this could happen peacefully i would love this to happen because honestly i think that we could build a catholic uh country here in texas and you know i've I've thought about this recently because um 
the Von the Van Maren show on I think it's LifeSite uh, puts it out. They were interviewing this Protestant pastor who basically just by preaching and by inviting his friends and family to come live in the city has created a Protestant city where it's all uh, Protestant Christians living together. Uh, they run all the things. All the laws are based on their Protestant beliefs. There's lots of cities and, like that in small yeah, town America. Course. How about and Geneva, we, Switzerland? Why could we not do that in the United John States? Calvin. There is the Clear Creek, Oklahoma. Well, Clear Creek, Oklahoma, Kansas City. Yeah, there's, uh, there's already places, places like that. But I'm thinking, like, why not in a, in a country level? We could have it in a country level and have it the laws well, embedded into the country. Uh, I, I don't know. Um I think it would be hard just to get the secession part done, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, that's the hard part. Once you get past that, <laughs> it, then it's easy. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's what Sam Houston felt, too, when when they made their own country. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, we, we may get some guests on to talk about that, because it's just fascinating. Hypo- on a hypothetical level, it's fascinating to me. On a reality level, it scares me. But... Uh, Maybe we'll talk about that. We'll have a guest on or, or whatever. We'll, we'll see. I may even interview the Texas National guy. I'm sure he's not Catholic. I'd just be curious on what he would have to say about how this would affect so many different parts of uh, our life and our country in general. But, okay, the, the, the cancel culture is off the hook this week, it seems. How did you guys feel about LifeSite News and Project Veritas both being deplatformed over the last couple of days? That is what's scaring me. That is actually terrifying. This is large-scale censorship on, on a level we've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. the uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I'm actually surprised they didn't get canceled earlier, to be honest. But uh, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they like these guys. Do you lost your office pool bet on when they were? Gonna yeah, be honestly, I lost it like like months ago. I thought it was going to be canceled. Like I gave them at least real till, quick, real quick till January, and yeah. they they lasted much longer because yeah. they were they were calling out big tech. They were yeah. calling out Facebook. Uh, YouTube, Google, so are we. and yeah, but these guys were investigating them, and putting out bigger videos too. And Project Veritas literally was recording uh, the, the interviews. Factual, completely one hundred percent factual. In LifeSite News, they had doctors on. They accused doctors of medical misinformation. Right. And the worst thing, one of the worst things about all of this is just the double standard of like they will shut down. Uh, Donald Trump for calling out violence, but who, what about all the people, so many people who supported the riots, the violent riots this pa- over the past year? How about this? Antifa marched through D.C. last week calling to burn it down. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I think this is important to note. This is a very important uh, idea. There's a, there's a philosophical foundation to what is happening uh, with the left. Now, this is incredibly important because we are making the mistake of saying, look, Here's the hypocrisy they're having. Here's the double standard they're having. And it's not so much a double standard. There's a saying that people used to joke around. They say, oh, if the left didn't have a double standard, they'd have no standard at all. But it's not even that. It is that they have no standard at all because it's a foundational. It's what, and we saw in George Orwell, uh, double speak, where you can think two, you can have two contradictory terms and say they're both true at the same time. Now, the reason why this is very important and why this is, uh, this is a disaster we have to fight against is because when that happens, this is a, this is against the very foundational philosophical principle of the law of non-contradiction. Something cannot be and not be in the same, in the same respect, in the same time and place. Now, this is important. Uh, because basically it's saying two things can't be contradictory to each other um, if they're if they're both true. Now, what the left is saying, what the, this is very important. What the left is saying is that they can. A man can both be a woman and not a woman. Uh, we can have um, 
feminist rights, but at the same time, we have men can be women, and there is no definition of women. There are contradictory terms in the right, and the conservatives and the Christians are always coming out saying, look, look at the hypocrisy, look at the contradictory terms. But the point isn't, isn't that that, isn't they're trying to have a consistent philosophical foundation. <laughs> the point is trying to get you to believe right, but, contradictory but terms. What rioter is going to sit down and take a philosophy course on relativism before going out and rioting? Right, they're of, not. Of they don't not. believe in truth. Well, and of course, so, that's my point. And what's happened to philosophy in university campuses all over our country? Exactly. That's that's exactly my point because we need to go back to these foundational understandings of things. Uh, we cannot like we're we're battling at, at the wrong level, and uh, we have to dive down to the roots of these problems uh i i really think that this is what what the core uh issue is uh with the with the world right now amen speaking of cancel culture uh catholic university tried to cancel at least uh the uh the chaplain on the catholic university campus tried to cancel uh abby johnson's talk there this past week apparently it did happen but the pro-life group who was hosting her did cancel her and then the GOP group picked her up and had the event anyway. Well, the pro-life group was pressured to cancel her and did not want to by their yeah. chaplain, which is makes it worse. And their president resigned as a result. The president of the pro-life group, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. she wrote a letter to the president of the campus to say, I was pressured, I didn't appreciate this, it's not what we stand for, and she, she resigned. Mm -hmm. um, it, we've seen this, though. Uh, Catholic University of America... Doing this and then accepting, you know, people who support abortion, for instance, um, President Obama. You know, not that I would cancel a president. I wouldn't. I wouldn't cancel Joe Biden if he showed up. I but would. At, at the same time, you know what I wouldn't have done is Catholic University of America, when they had Obama speak there, they covered all religious symbols. I would have never have done that. You want to speak in dialogue? Fine, let's speak in dialogue. But you know what? We are, we are Catholic. We aren't going to stop being Catholic because you're in the room. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, uh, this is, I think, crazy. Now, there, I guess the issue is Abby Johnson made some comments that had a racial tone that, that people didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so, they, you know, if you do that, then I guess you can never work again. Is it's the, the worst crime. <laughs> yeah, you're never allowed to work again, have banks and social uh, platforms and Even if your work saves lives. Ever. You're never allowed to be forgiven of your crimes ever again. Uh, speaking of which, the Mandalorian actress got canceled. Okay, I wanted to talk about this because um, speaking of double standards, um, someone pointed out, I shared this post on Twitter. Do you remember when uh, Disney made that live-action Mulan movie? They filmed that movie in Jingjiang right next door to the uh, concentration camps where the Uyghurs are being massacred. You're kidding. And, and they allowed that to happen. They were like, oh, it's okay. But they they canceled, they completely canceled Gina Carano over comments that she made. Yeah. And someone else was pointing out all the, you know, Disney employees who have also made comparisons to the Holocaust. There's like 20 others. It's the others, most used thing ever. The most overused metaphor, yeah. analogy. And because she's conservative, she was the one who was canceled. So. Yeah. yeah. And this goes right back to what I was saying a second ago of people saying, look, uh, they're, look, we made a Holocaust comparison. That's racist. Well, every other employee at Disney has made it, but why is this person being attacked? This one not purely because it, it follows their ideological, um, <laughs> path. And, uh, we saw that in a couple months ago where they're saying that logic, like using reason, logic is a tool of white supremacy. That's yeah, just nonsense. That's what I don't understand. How do you get them to care that they're being irrational? That's what I don't understand. Like, you can point out the double standard and, and how it doesn't make any sense, mm. but they 
don't care. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, these are wacky. I don't times. know what to do about this. But uh, the good news is uh, that uh, big tech, Google and Facebook, have asked the Supreme Court to give them relief from being sued so oh. easily. Good so, for them. Good, <laughs> good for Poor them. Poor big tech. <laughs> Uh, good for them. But, you know, so the oppressed. nice thing is states, I think, are starting to figure out that the states are going to have to assert their rights. And, you know, I, I hate to I, this, the, I hate to compare the other the other overused comparison is with the Civil War. Right. You know, um, but at the same time, states rights uh, were the major issue of the day in the Civil War. And we're seeing it come back only it's taking on a different form in the sense that it's not about slavery it's about uh, the federal overreach and big tech overreach and we're seeing states actually have to step up and say you know what we in our state you can't you can't do this you can't uh sanitize your platforms of voices you don't like just because you don't like them and it'll be interesting to see how this all ends up. Can a state actually force? We see, like, for instance, China. In order for Google to play in China, Google has to play with China according to China's rules. They have to uh, work with China and their great red China firewall that limits people's free speech, free mobility, and uh, freedoms of liberties of all kinds. Google willfully and joyfully participates with whatever China wants them to do in order to have access to this massive economy over there so they can continue to make a lot of money. Well, if China can do that and Google has to play and does so, what if Texas did that? Would they play? Would they would they create a more free and open, uh, you know, balanced uh, platform on YouTube, for instance, just for Texas, and it would be separate from anything in in uh, say California, for instance? I don't know. I wonder. But these texts, these uh, these rather these states, Florida, their their governor has, has announced legislation to try to do this. But the other thing is executive orders. States are having to take a stand and try to find a way to overcome federal overreach. So very similar here. States are having to assert their rights. And I was listening to um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was running for governor in Arkansas, and she made this point. Governors of states are going to be like the last line of defense uh, of federal overreach. I think that might be true. I wonder what our audience thinks. Comment if you have a... Uh, I know Susan is saying up in uh, Buffalo, they're getting like one to two inches of snow just today. But I'm sure it's like totally unaffecting your life. You're probably like, oh, that's nice. That's quaint. <laughs> you know, nobody nobody stops life up in uh, the great northeast when there's a snowstorm for the most part, unless it's a massive nor'easter. Maybe six feet, they'll notice it. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, possibly. And the frost heaves on the road are absolutely insane. It destroys your uh, suspension. It destroys your uh, alignment. You know, it's just... Your cars yeah, people who are, live up there are another bead. kind. They're very strong. <laughs> very strong. Yeah, praise God. Um, well, so that was the cancel culture this week. It was crazy. Now, here's another interesting uh, LifeSite article that I saw this week as we get ready to wrap up here. I, didn't, I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't have the chance. It said, could spike protein in Moderna Pfizer vaccines cause blood clots, brain inflammation, and heart attacks? I'll link to this article so that you can read it for yourself. But this has been part of my issue with, like, the censorship. Now, Facebook is censoring content on their platform that seems to uh, criticize the approved uh, narrative when it comes to vaccines. And yet we're seeing report after report of harm that comes to people 
who just blindly go running headlong into the wind and getting a an unproved technology that not even these people, Moderna and Pfizer, know what will truly happen in the long run. Why? Because it was rushed and nobody did their proper testing. And it's a brand new technology and nobody knows. And now we're seeing re- many reports that it could be causing these blood clots. And this article talks about that with someone who is eminently qualified to have the conversation and is raising questions. But when you raise questions, golly, as Tucker Carlson pointed out the other day in his monologue, you raise questions about the vaccines and you must be a conspiratorial Mm -hmm. tin hat wearer. We need tin hats. We definitely need them for the show. <laughs> nice first use was that the first, no, second official use of the of the dub button? Fun, fun. Can I read this tweet real quick? Real quick. So wait, so, uh, Jennifer Michelle Greenberg says on Twitter. So wait, Gina Carano posted that she's worried about hatred in America spiraling out of control, which she thinks could eventually lead to Nazi-like oppression. And Disney fired her. Don't they realize that they just validated her fear? Right. Exactly. That's, that's the most crazy part about it. It's like it's so. So she's right. <laughs> she, yeah, they just proved her point. Mm-hmm. Um, and her point. What was her point? As uh, Ben Shapiro pointed out, he hates these comparisons the to the Holocaust. Compar- yeah, mm-hmm. and he's a Jew, overused, right? Yeah. He, he feels it's overused. But ultimately, you boil it down. If you're turning your neighbors on each other, that's bad. That's the point. Right. That's her point. If you're turning your neighbors against each other that's bad like that article of the lady who criticized her neighbor for daring to snowplow her driveway <laughs> i mean he's a trumper so he must be pure evil incarnate and he's plowing my driveway <laughs> now i have to be nice to him i have to laugh so i don't cry <laughs> it's insane it's let's crazy. not be insane let's pray the diabolical confusion is lifted let's pray our deliverance prayers let's yes. beg the lord jesus and his power his authority by his precious blood by his name to bind all demonic forces that would confuse us and turn us against our neighbors and to cast them out. That's going to do it for the show. Join the email list. We'll let you know how Monday is going to go. We're praying we can at least, at the very least, do a live remote show. We'll tell you about that on, on uh, by, by email, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. Stay warm. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you for joining us.